Hello everyone and welcome to the Council of Elrond where we discuss all things Lord of the Rings, the Silmarillion and general Tolkien lore. On today's episode we are covering the most famous object in all of Tolkien's writings, the One Ring. Before we kick off today's episode I'd like to thank all the people that continue to sign up to our Patreon account and of course to all the new subscribers that are finding our YouTube page. So if you haven't already, please head on over there and give us, some watch, uh, give us a watch on YouTube as you can see some small snippets and questions taken from each of our podcasts. And consider give us, giving us a like and a subscribe if you can as well. Uh, thank you all so much and now on to the episode. One ring to rule them all. So, the one ring. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky. Seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord on his dark throne. In the land of Mordor where shadows lie. I I just wanted to add that in in case anyone hasn't heard it 10,000 times. (laughs) You forgot to say in the land of Mordor. Yeah, in Mordor. Uh, I just wanted to let everyone know that in this episode, we'll be covering the most famous ring of them all, the One Ring. Now, this is the last episode in our mini-series covering all of the rings of power so that you guys know exactly what they do, who use them, some interesting facts surrounding them, and where they all ended up. So if you'd like to hear more about the other rings in in, in great detail before listening to this episode, then please... Go check those episodes out first, as I'm going to quickly recap on what we know of the other 19 rings that we discussed thus far. Check them out. So, yeah. First of all, Johnny, um, welcome to the Council of Elrond. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to hear about the One Ring. Yeah. Are you excited? That's the finale. I've actually, I'm, I'm specifically wearing, wearing my T-shirt that has. I don't know if you can see it. I've got the, uh, the One Ring, uh, symbol oh. here. So um, very nice, yeah. This is in in, uh, nice. in honor of merch today's <laughs> yeah merch. Go get it. Yeah, this is not our merch, <laughs> uh, no, but, but it's yeah. someone's merch. It's someone's merch. Yeah. So you know, shout out to those people. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I I wanted to. I will include you in the episode as I have some interesting questions for you later on. Thank but you. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start with this quick recap and uh, a timeline of the ring. So. In 1500 of the Second Age, Sauron, under the disguise of Anatar, claimed to be an emissary for the Valar and befriended the Noldor elves in the realm of Eregion. He instructed them in the art of ring crafting. Celebrimbor did not fully trust Anatar, but was the lord of the Gwaith y Myrdain, which basically means master elven smiths, and they forged 16 rings of power whilst Celebrimbor forged three himself in secret. About a century later, Anatar, or Sauron, leaves Eregion, travels back to the land of Mordor, where he forges the One Ring of Power in the fires of Mount Doom, and he pours his will and malice into it. <laughs> he also infuses his spirit, or as Tolkien calls it, his Fea, to the ring, and he and it were bound to each other, meaning that as long as the ring survives, so does Sauron. So for any uh, Harry Potter fans, this is similar to, or it's exactly how Voldemort's Horcruxes work. And it's most likely where J.K. Rowling stole that idea. And her name, probably. <laughs> um, as soon as he wields it for the first time, Celebrimbor and the Noldor immediately become aware of Sauron's deception and treachery. The elves immediately remove their rings. 
The three that Celebrimbor forged in secret were sent away to Gilgalad and Galadriel, whilst the rest remained in Eregion in a vault. Sauron starts to form his armies and wages war against Eregion in 1693, where he is victorious, destroying Eregion, torturing and killing Celebrimbor, uh, spoiler for the Rings of Power TV series, and claiming the 16 Rings of Power. Sauron is eventually driven from Eregion, but distributes seven rings to the Dwarven Lords and nine to mortal men. The Dwarves use their rings to amass great wealth, and the men gain unnatural long life and become great rulers and sorcerers. So that's kind of a recap on the last three episodes. Um, and before I get into the, the timeline of the ring, uh, I wanted to ask you, Johnny, what other names or synonyms does the one ring have that you know of um precious my precious <laughs> yes is, that is one it is one Good. obviously it's known as the one ring it's known as uh my it's known as precious by by my by multiple people not just by Gollum, mm-hmm. of course uh by isildur as well um and yes, by Bilbo. it was precious to me um and any others any other are there other obvious ones D- does frodo say it as well at one point i can't even remember um i don't i'm not too sure about <laughs> Maybe. That, but am i forgetting an obvious um one? well so i i've called it the one ring mm-hmm. i know you called it something else in our christmas episode at the, the end of, of our song yes the ring of power that's another one uh the great ring of power i suppose oh, the, and the ruling ring Yes, well done. That's another good one. There is another one that is, well, it's not obvious, but you definitely know this. It is named after the person that claims it off Sauron. Isildur's ring? Yes, but it's not a ring. It's a... Uh, oh, Isildur's what? bane. Yes, Isildur's bane. So, and it could yeah, just be called that's... Sauron's ring as well, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I suppose it could be called anything. Um, there, there is one other thing here. You might know the answer to this, but do you know what it is called in black speech? Ooh, it's a good question. Uh, if I start saying this in black speech, is my whole room going to just like get darker? And uh, <laughs> I'm going to have suddenly like a, a choir of Welsh people behind me speaking in very, very low... <laughs> That's a low register. I'm not going to. It might happen. I don't think I should speak uh, the the black tongue in my living room here. Uh, (laughs) But uh, no, I can't think of an answer now. It should be heard from every corner of your living room. Um, Well, if it's actually the first words in the on the rings inscription, and you you do hear Gandalf say it when he stands up and starts uttering Mm. the speech of Mordor. Do you remember? No, no, I don't. Go on. Let 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 me know. Okay, it's. It's Ajnazg. Ajnazg. So, okay, yeah. So that, that um, sure, I may as well. I have it here. I'm going to recite the ring's inscription in black speech. Because, yeah, Gandalf says, Gandalf says, like, that he says that word Ajnag like, a good few times when he stands up. But I, I wouldn't have known which one of those yeah. words meant uh, the ring or which one meant Yeah, it. but I do recognize that thrice. Word now. Thrice it says it in the, in the ring's inscription. It says... Ajnaz dur batuluk, Ajnaz gim batul, Ajnaz drakatuluk, Agborzum ishikrik batul. I think it sounds cool. Very, very good. We can we can add some effects in there to make it sound all <laughs> evil. <laughs> all all Gandalfy. 
Oh, Gandalf. Well, I, I think when when I hear it, I, I feel like an orc when I'm saying it. It's like, Aznag. It's all, mm. I don't know, orcish. But anyways, um, so I just wanted to give a brief timeline of the ring. So basically, what happens next with Sauron and his one ring? So in 3262 of the Second Age, Numenorean king Arpharazon, who we're going to see in the Rings of Power, sends a fleet and attacks Sauron's forces at Umbar. And Sauron decides to surrender to the king as he wanted to infiltrate the Numenorians from within. So he convinces the Numenorians to worship Melkor, his master, I suppose, and he was the high priest of this religion. He climbs the ranks to become the king's chief counsellor and eventually leads Numenor to its destruction, where Sauron's body is actually destroyed. Now, it isn't completely known if Sauron possessed the ring or not at this time, but after the destruction of Numenor, Sauron's spirit returns to Mordor, where he regained his form and his power. Slowly, that is. Uh, When Sauron's body was destroyed in Numenor, it was fair and beautiful as it was, I think it was still Anatar at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But afterwards, it is said that he could never pretend to be anything but ugly. He had grown hateful of the Numenorians and waged war on the survivors who had founded the realm of Gondor. Isildur, Elendil and Gilgalad form an alliance of men and elves and march on Barad-dûr. Sauron comes forth himself onto the battlefield and, and, and he kills Elendil and Gilgalad, but is eventually defeated. Isildur approaches Sauron's body and cuts off the finger with the ring on it. Sauron's spirit then goes into hiding for a thousand years. This is the great battle that we see at the, the beginning of the Lord of the Rings movie, by the way. Um, after this, Barad-dûr is leveled, but as we have spoken about in a previous podcast, the foundations could not be destroyed as the tower was built with the power of the One Ring, which wasn't destroyed by Isildur, but rather kept as a family heirloom. Isildur returned to Gondor, then almost three years later heads north to reunite with his wife and child and take his place as the king of Arnor. But but uh, orcs draw near actually the ring attracts orcs near and they kill his men whilst he uses the ring to disappear and escapes into the river Anduin to try swim to the other side but the ring intentionally slips off his finger and betrayed Isildur he is shot by passing orcs when he emerges from the water and the ring is then lost to the river for 2000 years and then we get the hobbit and then we get the lord of the rings and i don't want to recount all the the stories in there just just to say as well that um i think it's important to mention that the the one ring had the ability to kind of maybe you're going to say it later on but it had the ability to change size and Mm. that's one of the reasons how it it purposefully slipped itself off isildur's finger while he was in the river that it was actually able to get bigger and smaller and kind of not shape shift but just um size shift i suppose and uh, and so yeah that's just something interesting to note as well yeah you're absolutely right i actually d- didn't have that anywhere to get it out. there's too uh-huh. much information on this one ring but uh yeah that is one of the things and you actually do see it in the extended editions of the the fellowship of the ring yeah i think there's a scene where a sealed door is holding the ring and it just shrinks down i was always kind of confused size. when i saw that in the uh, in the movies like years ago when i would see it and it kind of i wasn't sure if it was like just a camera trick or if it was trying to say you know it actually is getting smaller because uh, i didn't okay, know about yeah. that. so i thought it was just one of those kind of cool oh, it just looks like it's getting smaller because of the way the camera does it. But yeah, um, no, I think it, 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 now that I know that about the One Ring, I'm, I'm assuming that's what it's trying to show, that maybe it was huge fitting on, I suppose, Sauron's finger was bigger than, uh, 
a mortal man's finger, so it was shrink it down. To and then a mortal man would be bigger than a net or a, a hobbit. hobbit. True. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one size fits all. It's like uh, one of those kind of socks <laughs> that you can buy. It's like yeah, in pennies or Primark. Yeah. yeah. Well, Good for any any size foot. One ring fits all. So uh, I just wanted to ask you, so far we've discussed two ring bearers, but uh, you're a pretty smart guy. And I wanted oh, you to you. tell me who else touched the ring in that order. We'll take a break and kind of discuss these at each one. So after Sauron, we have a sealed door. And after a sealed door, who do we have? Who's the next to touch it? Yeah. Um, Deagle. Mm-hmm. I suppose. So Deagle and then straight after that. And then Smeagol straight away after that. Exactly. Then... So this this was in the year 2463. Um, so I just have a, a couple of questions. Well, first of all, why why didn't Gollum become a wraith like the Nazgul? Like he possessed the ring for over 500 years. So why didn't he become a, a wraith? Um, well, first of all, the wraiths had their rings a lot lot longer than Gollum like they had them for about between two and a half thousand to maybe four thousand years so they had a lot longer uh under under that uh, under the possession of uh, a ring and also the one ring wasn't designed to do that I suppose that um the one ring was the ruling ring it wasn't like to turn someone into a wraith whereas the the nine ring of the Nazgul um it was they were supposed to be subservient to the one ring so um, I don't have an exact answer for you because I'm not too sure about this. I'm just thinking out loud as I go. But basically, I don't... Now, if Gollum had kept the ring for another couple of thousand years, maybe, it's probably... Maybe it's possible that he would have become uh, a wraith, I suppose, because, I mean, his body would seem to kind of just... It looked like it was on the way out. He was kind of starting to fade <laughs> away. Um, Decompose. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested to hear the answer. No, well, yeah, you're right in everything thus far, but it's th- th- just an added note um, that this is our first clue to the natural resilience of hobbits to the power of the One Ring because Smeagol, well, he wasn't a hobbit, but he was some something close to what a hobbit was when, when he didn't have the ring. Um, this is why Bilbo and Frodo were less affected than probably most other race- races. Uh, it is noted also that Gollum didn't always wear the ring. In fact, he disliked when he wore it and he couldn't be seen and he couldn't, I don't know, he couldn't hunt properly, but he usually kept it in his pockets. So this could be another reason. Yeah, when you were wearing um, the one ring, you kind of were transported into the mm. sort of like the shadow realm type thing. And that's where the Nazgul kind of lived, I suppose. And we kind of, we spoke about this in last week's episode, but basically it was more difficult like the nazgul didn't have good eyesight they were like yeah like they were like a bull or or a shark or something that they kind of like they could see a little bit but they they needed something to focus their 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 eyesight i suppose so when we spoke about last week when frodo put the ring on at weathertop he actually then entered into the the wraith world and he made it a lot easier for them to be able to stab him but uh so maybe trying to hide yeah, exactly. He was trying to hide it. And, and they were like, oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, they just did. It was just had the opposite effect. So maybe for Gollum, when you said it was difficult to hunt, the first I, the first thing that came into my head was like, it must be easy for him to hunt because he's invisible. They can't see him coming. But it's probably harder for him to see a fish or something like that when he's uh, when he's in the other. Um, That's true. You know, the Wraith world or whatever. So 
Yeah. He could see wraith fish, though, probably. <laughs> yeah. If there are any of those. If any fish, like, swam through the one ring while it was in the river Anduin. They're probably they not very nutritious. Those wraith no, fish. No, no. That'd be pretty bony fish. Yeah. So, yes, we have Sauron, Isildur, Deagle, and Smeagol. Who's the next one? After Smeagol to touch the ring, uh, Bilbo. Mm-hmm. Very good. So Bilbo gets the ring in 2941. Now, I just have a couple of questions on each person. Like you, You're probably going to know all these, but just little interesting things for the listeners. And I think we've discussed this before, but uh, why wasn't Gandalf overly concerned when he noticed Bilbo's magic ring for the first time? Um, yeah, so there were lots of rings. We know that we, we already, we've already spoken about the rings of power. There were 20 rings of power. But then apart from the, the, the rings of power, there were also other rings called the lesser rings. And the rings of power all had big kind of gems and stones uh, in them, whereas the lesser rings were more similar to the one ring, which was, which were more just kind of plain gold bands or I'm not sure if they were all gold, but plain bands. So hmm. Gandalf just naturally assumed that this was just some lesser ring. And yeah, so I think that was the main reason he overlooked it. Yeah, excellent. Absolutely excellent. And uh, I just have a little side fact in here, which I thought was interesting. Bilbo was the only person that willingly gave up the ring. So um, mm. when he was giving it to Gandalf, I suppose, uh, the, the only ring bearer, I suppose. Sure. Uh, well, kind of. I mean, maybe Frodo yeah, attempted I mean, to a couple of times, but he didn't actually. Yeah, but yeah. Mm, uh, well, I'm just looking at not the next ring bearer, but... Uh, yeah. Anyways, who is the next? Also, yeah, to there's touch a couple the of other people that hold it and give it, give it back. Yeah, but like he was the first to give it up. The first that was actually solely attached to it. I think that's what I meant. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the, like people that are you know obsessed with the ring. Yeah, uh, Frodo is. Uh, Frodo does become one of those people that is obsessed with the ring, and we know his. Sure. Her- her- heroism at the very end, where he <laughs> decides to keep it. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so we have Bilbo in 2941. Yeah, it's pretty good of Bilbo uh, to, to actually give it up after after having it for so many years and after exactly. being like so so affected by it. So mm. yeah, um, that's I hadn't really ever thought about it that way before. I mean, again, it's one of my favorite scenes from the the Fellowship movie where uh, yeah. it's so amazingly shot by 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 Peter Jackson, where they had that big huge magnet underneath the floor in order to suck the ring down and he drops it and it's like that like i love that music and then just like brilliant it just like bangs down off the floor because they really i i remember them saying that they really wanted to draw attention to that scene as well but i kind of i kind of just overlooked the fact that yeah it is actually a huge deal that and the fact that he's the only one i never really thought about that that he's the only only ring bearer that it is amazing because he has a for for so long and mm. we like you don't really see it because it's the setup to the lord of the rings when he gives up the ring and we just see frodo's one year journey with the ring and i know he gets closer and closer to mordor and it becomes it becomes you know, the power of the ring and, grows yeah. and yeah but like you know he we see how it completely yeah takes had it for over, like years, heroin like. yeah and frodo only has it for a, a, a for one year yeah because like you know he had it in his house but he wasn't looking at it yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so on to on to the next one after Bilbo. Who do we have that touches the ring next? Um, Frodo. Mm-hmm. And immediately in the same year. Uh, and um, 
So Gandalf touches it as well. Yeah. So um, in now, I was the year yeah. 3001 of the Third Age. So sure. literally, yeah. 3001 of the Third Age, both Frodo and Gandalf touch it in Bag End. Now, we know... Yeah, because it doesn't show that in the movies. In the movie, because uh, I've, I've seen people online saying like, Gandalf touches the ring. Other people say, no, he doesn't. He only holds it in that envelope and stuff. But that's just mm. in, in the movies. But in the books, he does actually hold it. And he he's like, there's a, yeah. there's a famous drawing. I'm not sure who it's I know by. The, I think I know the one. Do you know who it's by? Are, it by are you Ted talking about Na- the one? Ted Naismith, is it? Where he does the one is where it the shows one where Gandalf they're both sitting over down the fire. And, yeah, and they've got the fire and he's he, Gandalf's holding it up in the air and he's kind of showing it yeah. to Frodo. I'm not sure who that's by, but yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's a just, famous, just, famous picture. Check out Ted Naismith anyways, even if yeah. it's not him, because he's got yeah. some amazing art. Uh, so different to the Lord of the Rings movies, because it's all in the same year, they leave 17 years later, Frodo leaves the Shire. So who would be the next person to touch the ring after Frodo and Gandalf in 3001? Um, there's a little bit of, I, 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 I say you're probably going to go into this, but there's a bit of a mysterious person who may or may not have touched the ring. Which is in uh, in Rivendell, after Frodo gets stabbed and he gets taken to Rivendell. Um, obviously, he um, very he wake, good. I, he, I I was going to ask you about this after it, but yeah, okay, yeah, keep going. I'll, I'll so basically, he gets healed by Elrond, and when he wakes up, the ring is no longer around his neck, and it was originally loose because he had it on his finger, and then he took it off. So when he wakes up, he finds it back on its chain. So someone that we don't know about and it's never mentioned, obviously took the ring and put it back on its chain and left it there. Uh, so now mm. we don't know if they touched it with their fingers. Maybe they were worried and they picked they it up with like a pair of, <laughs> pair, of, pair of tongs or something and they were like, okay, we'll put it back yeah. on. But um, yeah, so there is that mystery person that we don't really know about. So that's just something that yeah. Yeah, there's some online debate and things about who that person could be. Yeah, and it it could have been a person or it could be persons. Um, and like people have debated whether this could be Elrond, it could be Gal- or it could be Gandalf again, or it could just be any high elf of Rivendell. Uh, but their identity and the process and whether they touched it are unknown, which is all correct. Mm-hmm. But uh, who? So who would be the next person that touches the ring? Um, after then, Frodo, Gandalf, and Mystery Man. Then Sam, I suppose, is the next. No, a book character, a very famous. Oh, book. sorry, of course. Um, was this not? Did I miss this person already? Was it not Tom Bombadil before the person in Rivendell? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, well, I, I didn't know you were going. Sorry, I, I didn't know you were going to bring up the Rivendell person. So, okay. kudos on that. Right. So, so sorry, Tom Bombadil would sorry, have been that, next. Yeah. Tom, of course. Tom slipped my mind. So, uh. He didn't set my mind. I just got the order wrong. But um, yeah, of course, Tom Bombadil famously, uh, as we said, when when you said earlier that uh, when we were speaking earlier about um, Bilbo being uh, one of the only people to or being the only ring bearer to give up the ring. And mm. uh, I, I immediately thought of Tom Bombadil when he's just yeah. playing with the ring like it's nothing. And he puts it on his finger and he makes the ring disappear. And it's kind of um, he's doing a little like magic uh, sleight of hand par- uh, like uh, party, yeah. party tricks with this ring and then um, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and then uh, he and then he just gives it back to, to to Frodo so yeah yeah 
Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't turn invisible, but the ring turns invisible instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we we have a Tom Bombadil episode. So if anyone wants to go hear more about Tom and the ring, go check that out. Um, there are many wild theories as to why this is the case with Tom and and the ring, but that's all they are. They're theories. We don't actually know. Um, so yeah, check out that that episode of Tom Bombadil because he's mm-hmm. a complete enigma when it comes to the ring of power. Yeah. So. That, and by the way, that was in the year two. Uh, th- sorry, I said two thousand and eighteen. Three thousand and eighteen of the third age. So this mm. would be seventeen years after Frodo and Gandalf first touched the ring. Yeah. Um. So now we move on to the last person to become a ring bearer, or the last new person to touch the ring. Who would that be? Yeah, the last new person to touch the ring because someone else touches it as well. Um. So <laughs> Sam yeah. touches it obviously when Frodo gets. Stabbed by Shelob, Sam takes it and he has it for I'd want to say a day, one day. He has it for two days, two and days. I wanted to ask you how the ring affected Sam during his two days as the ring bearer. <laughs> oh, um, he he gets like I don't know. He gets a bit delusional and he thinks that he wants to become like Sam the. But Sam the what's he call himself? Sam the strong Samwise the strong? Exactly. Is that what yeah. it is? And yeah, uh, Samwise the strong. He has visions of himself basically becoming the best gardener in the world or something and uh, <laughs> spreading gardens all over Middle Earth or something like that. And um yeah. So Yeah, he Well basically he he has the ring. And he's he's not actually wearing the ring at this point, but he is getting closer to Mordor and the ring's power is, is becoming very strong. I think he does wear the ring. He does wear the ring at some points, but when he's having these visions, uh, he's just holding the ring and he envisions himself as an enlarged, huge warrior. And he calls himself Samwise the Strong. And he had wild fantasies where he charged across the dark lands with a flaming sword and armies are flocking to him to destroy Baradur. And then uh, then the clouds all rolled away and he starts envisioning gardens and uh, he's the best gardener in the world. And, you know, <laughs> to each their own, I suppose. Awesome. Um, Let it blossom forth and live. Let it live for Samwise the Strong. Yeah, uh, but so those are all the nine ring bearers or I shouldn't say ring bearers, the nine people who have touched the ring. And obviously then there's that possible 10th that Johnny discussed earlier in Rivendell. Well done for remembering that because I was going to bring that up now and okay. see if you remember. Sorry, I've ruined, your, I've ruined the layout. No, 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 it's perfect. You <laughs> No, it's perfect because you almost got the right order as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. Kudos to that. You didn't even need the prompt. Before uh, it's destroyed, then the last person that touches it is Smeagol again when he mm-hmm. bites it off uh, Frodo's finger, I suppose. But he's not a new uh, ring bearer or a person who touched the ring. Yeah. And of so, course, Frodo would have touched it after Sam as well. So Yeah, it's true. Last, yeah. So, um, yeah. Very good. Right. Very nice. um, so I want to get on to the powers of the One Ring. Mm-hmm. So... Johnny, uh, mm-hmm. can you tell me what powers the One Ring has, or what can it do? <laughs> uh, oh God, um, 
I, I mean, I'm just going to give you a couple of like shitty answers and you can tell me all the proper oh, yeah. stuff after a while. But uh, of course, um, obviously when people have seen the movies, one of the first things that they're going to notice is that when you put the ring on, it turns you invisible. And yes, that is something that it would do, but not to everyone. And there's a lot of people asking, why doesn't Sauron turn invisible? Um, and it's it's because it just doesn't work the same way with everyone. And what it really was doing when you put the one ring on, it's not that it's turning you invisible. It's I mentioned earlier, it's kind of transporting you to the sort of the wraith realm or the other world where the kind of spirits and all that live. So Sauron, because he was uh, a Maya, he basically already lived in both the physical world and the, the wraith world. So when he put on the ring, it yeah. didn't transport him to the wraith world because he was already there. So that's... Um, that's News flash, asshole! <laughs> I've been here the entire time! <laughs> so that's uh, one of the things about the... So that's the whole invisibility thing that happens with the, the, the ring. Um, so other beings... And then, of course, we know that the weird thing with Tom Bombadil, he didn't turn invisible, he turned the ring invisible. We don't know what's going on there. We don't know who Tom... Yeah, I, I wouldn't even put that down as a power of the ring. That's like no, there's just an enigma I, of Tom Bombadil. <laughs> yeah, so what are the powers? Of course, we know that it had the power to control all the other rings. But again, it's not like you just you just get the ring and now you suddenly have these kinds of powers. You need to be able to learn how to use those powers you need to learn, and it just it takes a huge like uh, amount of strength and will and fortitude to be able to do that. So, um, I don't know other powers. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm. I mean, I could just sort of blab on and kind of make some stuff up, and I probably get close to the mark. But I'd rather you told me <clears throat> now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, th- those are the obvious ones, and. If you think about it more and more, you can be like, well, that's also a power of, of the ring. So I I have left some of the really obscure ones out or there's, you know, there might be one line in the book that mentions, you know, uh, that basically the ring casts out uh, a figure or something. And, you know, I left all those kind of one liner things out, but the most obvious ones. Yeah. So I have them labeled here. So the first okay. one I have is XB points. So, like all the other rings of power, it naturally enhances the skills and abilities of the wielder. We will discuss it more in detail later, but to generalize, the more powerful you are, the greater the ring enhances that power. Now, the next one is invisibility, which we already got into and you explained it perfectly that Sauron exists in both the physical world and the wraith world, and that's why he doesn't turn invisible. So, um, it is important to note that if you're just... You know, if you're just a fan of the movies, that you're not going invisible, you're actually being transported into another world. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one here is life extension, and we see Smeagol and Bilbo both possess the ring long enough for their aging process to significantly slow down. This is why Bilbo suddenly becomes an old hobbit once the ring is destroyed, and we see this in in the in the film as well. Uh, Gollum would most likely have turned to dust if he were still alive. We discussed that in a previous episode as well. What would yeah. have, what what would happen to Gollum? And of course, the Nazgul stopped aging also, and they they lived for thousands of years, so they would have just have been regular men. On to the next one, we have the power of persuasion. It is also said that the bearer of the ring could more easily command and dominate others, which can be extremely useful for someone like Sauron who was a master manipulator already. 
as mm. explained, he was under the guise of Anatar, an extremely hot elf, and <laughs> manipulated the Noldor elves into crafting the Rings of Power. He also, um, along his journey, he managed to manipulate many men into joining his command, such as the men of Harad and the Easterlings. So mm. this could be down to just... Again, this comes into the XP thing. Like, it makes him more powerful. Yeah. I think it, it would have made a regular person more persuasive, but he was already very persuasive. Could so you imagine like Saruman getting his hands on that? Like, oh, uh, with the voice of Saruman. For the terms of, in terms of persuasion, because he was already, like, one of the... Most persuasive uh, uh, mm. people on, on Middle Earth as well. He could really, he would have been a great salesman, I'd imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd, he he'd be, be upselling you. You go, you're like, I'm going to buy a, a Honda Accord. And you come out with like a, a I don't know, a, a Ferrari. Ferrari. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I don't have the money for this. <laughs> uh, so if he got, if he got the ring of power and it like upped his persuasion game, well then the sky's the limit. We'd be screwed. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> So on to the next power, we have time control. I enjoyed uh, labeling all these different powers. Uh, so we see how Galadriel used her ring of power to preserve the beauty and uh, oh, sorry, the beauty of nature in Lorien. Uh, Sauron's one ring was also able to slow the decay of the world, and he tied the one ring to the construction of Barad-dûr. Hmm. So there's a little bit of power of time control there. But uh, on to the next one, which you did touch on. I call this one remote control. So the ring was also, uh, it allowed Sauron to control the the nine rings of men. And as we've described previously in the Rings of Power episode, the relationship between the one ring and the nine rings, the ring was designed to control all 19 other rings of power and lesser rings. But as we see the dwarves, uh, sorry, with the dwarves, the plan didn't completely work out for Sauron. And the elves chose not to wear them until Sauron was defeated at the War of the Last Alliance. It is believed that the three elven rings, even though they were forged without Sauron's tutelage, were the most vulnerable to the one ring's uh, power, as Elrond states at the council, quote, All that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing, and their minds and hearts will become revealed to Sauron, if he regains the one. It would be better if the three had never been. So I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, Mm. of course... Sauron probably returned to Mordor a bit too quickly because he didn't oversee the the forging of the three rings at all. And when he put on his master ring for the first time, uh, that basically alerted the elves to take theirs off immediately and not use them. But I did think it was interesting that there is an alternate universe where the elves could have all fallen to to Sauron's will as well. And they were actually probably the most vulnerable to to fall to as well. Class. So yeah. So the next power that we see uh, is temptation. And we see this in particular in the movies. The ring tempts people when they are in close proximity of it. Now, sorry, I shouldn't say in particular in the movies, but I think the movie, the, the movies do place a good emphasis on the temptation of the ring. Um, the ring tempts uh, people to do evil things like Smeagol killing his friend. It tempts people to attack others for it, such as Barmir trying to pry it off Frodo. And it just inspires greed and lust. And like I said, the films do a great job of showing this, uh, the showing the manipulation Don't and temptation. Don't Frodo. <laughs> exactly. Um, like, do, do, you know, do you know anytime the ring is in, in sight, you hear that eerie, uh, like that kind of ring theme soundtrack and you hear the kind of high-pitched... 
No, like that's the ring theme. But you know the way anytime mm. the ring is like ho- Frodo's holding out the ring, you kind of hear that. Boom, boom. You hear kind of like the undertones of Sauron's voice and the the heavy heartbeat sounds like the boom, boom, mm. boom, boom. Mm. I, I just think yeah. the way the film does that. Uh, I think it did oh, get an well, Oscar we, for know, its uh, sound design and all that. So we could talk that was for one of the things. We could talk for hours about the sound design of the movie and the music let's, by Howard Shore. So uh, <laughs> let's well, maybe not today. We don't have time. But uh, no. yeah, we'll do that again. We'll do that again for sure. Yeah. And finally, the last power that the ring possesses is miscellaneous. Now, well, basically, <laughs> it has a couple of... Mistletoe? Mistletoe uh, underneath the miscellaneous. So there are examples of Frodo in the Fellowship of the Ring standing at Ammon Hen and being able to see for miles and miles. I think I think in the book it describes him seeing war everywhere he looks uh, for as far as the eye could see or something like that. Mm. Um, and he actually sees as far as the Tower of Baradur. And the ring does it as well. Or sorry, the ring. The, the Fellowship of the Ring movie does it as well when he, when he puts on the ring at Ammon Hen and he sees a mm. bunch of stuff and then it kind of the vision shoots him towards the bottom the of eye. the bar door and oh, then it goes right it, up to yeah, the eye. Yeah, it goes up. Yeah. So that's cool. I think that's a cool impression. I think Peter Jackson makes it a little bit different. It's almost like a vision, but in the book, it's almost described as an actual thing. So that's mm. another kind of weird power that the ring has, but also Sam Ash Kirithunga had a heightened sense of hearing and could also understand what nearby orcs were saying, even though that they were speaking in black speech. So it's got the power mm. of linguistics and translation, apparently, as well. So, Google uh, Translate. It's still yeah. trying, like, they're still trying to make sure make, make their app perfect. But uh, the ring is just like, guys, I've got it. I'm yeah. going to translate it into your brain. Uh, that's class. <laughs> In, into your mind. Yeah. yeah. So instead of people like going around being like, uh, you know, uh, donde esta la biblioteca? You could just like get the ring and pop it on and boom, you're, uh, mm, pop you're it a whiz. On. Pop it on. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, uh, also, so, uh, so both Frodo and Sam having these abilities would suggest that the ring affects, uh, it affects different users in different ways. And it also depends on the location that it is worn in. In the instance of Sam's visions, he was, um, he wasn't wearing the ring, but he was just holding onto it. Uh, so it is believed that the ring's power grows mightier the closer it is to Mordor where it was created and similar similarly I was about to say Silmarillionly (laughs) Silmarillionly on Mount Doom Frodo grabs the ring and appears as a figured sorry as a figure garbed in white holding a wheel of fire I think this is just when Smeagol attacks Frodo on, on Mount Doom again and Sam is kind of being all against him and Frodo kind of pities Meagle again, but he, he mm. looks like this crazy creature. So you can just imagine if this is how a humble hobbit appears to others, because again, remember Sam also looked like a fearsome warrior to an orc and an orc actually ran away. You mm. can just imagine what Sauron would have looked like in his own lands wielding the one ring because hobbits are these lovely little creatures and one of the ring's powers seems to be like, especially when in Mordor, it makes them look so fearsome and, and more large and threatening and yeah so you've got one of the most threatening villains of all time imagine what he would look like wearing the one powered ring up. in mordor yeah. yeah super super powered up. that would be <laughs> class so there are just some examples of uh the rings of powers power so there you go <laughs> 
and uh, there, there are lots of other cool. examples but um yeah these were just these were just the best ones i could pick out and yeah and just to go back to one that you already mentioned before but the whole power of using the ring to basically construct barador and mm. to, to construct like his his lands in mordor uh is something that's really cool as well and maybe something that we kind of glossed over a little bit but it's cool to kind yeah. of think that the reason there was all the destruction of like the whole of Mordor after uh, the ring was destroyed was because everything that was made w- by the power of the ring was then unmade after the ring itself was destroyed. Mm. So uh, any kind of mountains or even the earth itself that crumbled, mountains. it's like, well, yeah, Sauron just used the ring to make those mountains. <laughs> or to, And people have said like maybe the actual shape itself of Mordor, like, you know, that kind of, uh, it's almost like a fo- it's just fortified by mountains like they were saying like maybe it was kind of like that naturally but maybe Sauron actually you know developed the shape of the mountains to make them even more uh, impossible to, to 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 you know to climb over them to to get through mm. to, to break into his fortress so um, it's kind of cool he could just kind of build yeah. mountains with his ring as well so mountains Sauron mountains mountains Sauron <laughs> yeah he's just there talking to his his mountain planner or like his uh his <laughs> i got a mountain his constru- guy <laughs> his construction his construction uh his contractor and he's just like i want to see mountains sauron mountains <laughs> well he wouldn't say sauron if he's Sauron. No. He's, uh, <laughs> maybe his uh contractor was also named sauron maybe it's a very common name maybe in mordor or he's asking like some other orcs for some ideas like what do you guys think how should we like develop our our like our our fortress they're like i want to see mountains sauron and he's yeah like, right Okay, that, that sounds good. Mountains, sounds good to me. <laughs> that brings us on to, I just have a couple of questions for you regarding the Ring of Power. So Johnny, first of all, why didn't Sauron just create another ring as a backup? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, again, that's a question that I've heard before and it's it's not that simple. Creating the Ring of Power... Um, Again, it, it's it's very clearly pointed out in the in the prophecy in the prologue by Galadriel in the first movie that he pours his his uh, what she say he pours his will to dominate into it and his malice and but he also pours his spirit into that ring and mm. it's like so then we know that he and the ring are one and his spirit is bound to this ring so it's like he empties half of his tank basically into the ring or maybe more, maybe like maybe 70% of his tank into the ring. And so that when he and the ring are together, it's just this incredible force. Like you've just said there, like him in Mordor wearing the ring would have been insane. But when he, they're separated, it's like, it's a big problem. And that's why his, his, um, his body is destroyed. But, um, so because the fact that he's emptied so much of himself and his spirit into this one ring, like he doesn't have, it's, as I said, like imagine he empties 50% of his of his tank into that ring and then he wants to make another ring. He doesn't have the same amount of, you know, uh, he can't put that into another ring. He can't, like he'd have to keep on, okay, now I'm going to put 25% in. The next, the third ring will be, you know, 12.5% in. So it's like, he can't do mm. that. Like it's a big deal to make a ring of power. Like, you know, it's it's, it's like a marriage. Like, you know, you're, you're in it for life, <laughs> you know. But the whole ring is for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if we read the Harry Potter books, we know that Voldemort was able to just split his spirit into uh, seven. And we have the seven Horcruxes. And when Voldemort is defeated, there's still like a seventh of a spirit that just remains in these Horcruxes or Horcrux eye. 
I don't know uh, what the plural is there. But um, yeah, but if we're going back to Tolkien's Middle Earth, what? I, yeah, so Johnny, what race is Sauron? Sauron is a Maya. Exactly. And one thing that we know about the Maya is that they build forms for themselves. So Melian took the form of an elf. The Astari or the wizards took the forms of old men as they wanted to appear as wise counsellors and not warriors. Balrogs took the form of fiery demons. So one thing that many people might not know is that a great deal of the Maya's power goes into sustaining a form to use their powers through. No Maya ever has returned after their form was destroyed, with the exception, obviously, of Gandalf the Grey turning to Gandalf the White. He was sent back by Eru Iluvatar himself. And Sauron, of course, as he created the One Ring, which was basically an extension of his physical form, which wielded the entirety of his spiritual power. So, technically, since the ring contained most of Sauron's power, it was more important. It, it was a more important part of Sauron's corporal form than Sauron's physical body itself. Mm. So the reason that Sauron couldn't make another ring was basically because he was a Maya and thus had to spend a significant amount of spiritual energy to sustain his physical form that he hadn't any left to create another and certainly not another ring that was anywhere near as powerful. So maybe like he could yeah. have created a little lesser ring and put like, you know, the power of his baby toe into that. But like, what yeah. good is that, you know? Yeah, so, like I said, like I said, he put maybe like 50% of his tank in and then I said, well, maybe even more like 70%. It was definitely more that, the, the latter of mm. 70, maybe even higher. Maybe it was 90% of his uh, power oh, yeah. put into that ring. So it was a huge amount of power that he put in and his actual physical body was not left with that much power at all without the ring. So yeah, it's cool. And as you said, maybe he had a little, he had a couple of percent on his battery left and he was like oh i've got yeah. three three percent here that i'll invest in, in in a lesser ring like maybe that would have been a possibility but definitely wouldn't have had anywhere near the same uh the same results as the the one ring yeah and harry potter fans correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think i don't think voldemort's horcruxes like had the power i think they I think that was just literally Voldemort clinging on to survival and he had basically spread his spirit around in seven different locations where Sauron... Stop mentioning Voldemort ring. and Sauron in the same sentence. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why? I, I think it's a good comparison, especially to people that aren't so familiar with Sauron and the ring and what he's he's done with it. Like, I think, mm. I think it is a good comparison because people know all about Voldemort's horcruxes. I have no idea what a horcrux is. <laughs> Or Horcrux I You don't know? You don't know the Harry Potter things? No? No. Okay. Well, anyways, um, I just feel like Sauron wasn't creating the One Ring as a backup for him dying. He was actually creating the ring to become more powerful and, you know, oh, yeah. overtake the lands of, of the world. It was just kind of like a, an extra advantage to him that when his corporal form was destroyed, his spirit lived on in the ring. Mm. But yeah, that's, uh, that's why Sauron couldn't create a backup. Very good. So, Johnny, um, why does Frodo wear the ring around a chain on his neck? And why does he not just keep it in his pockets? I, I mean, is there an actual answer that you're going to... I mean, I just think it's much more <laughs> practical to wear it on, on, on a chain. You can't wear it on your finger because then you just be invisible the whole time. And, you know, it's our own to be able to see you and the Nazgul are chasing you, blah, blah, blah. So you can't wear it on his, on his finger. But, I mean... He could have worn it on a chain, which he did, which I think is quite practical. And um, I just think if you put a ring in your pocket, that's just like, 
I mean, if he had like a little wallet or something and he could have popped it in there <laughs> or a little like maybe like Sam's little seasoning, Sam's little seasoning box that he had, like a little box oh, like that yeah. that you could have put it in. He could have popped it in there or something like that. But um, just putting a ring in your pocket just seems like a, it's just uh, you're, you're looking for trouble. You're like you're looking. <laughs> you sit, like, you know, if you're if you've got coins in your pocket, you sit down on the couch. Sometimes you're like all the coins just fall out the back of your pocket and you're like, oh, God, and you're then rooting down the, the, Spare the, change, the, the yeah. back of the couch looking for the for, look for the, the coins it's like oh they fell out because pockets are not reliable and you can get a hole in your pocket and you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know there's all sorts of Dear trouble Michael, that you, you're, you're, you're looking for <laughs> yeah so, I know and I, when you're saying there like having the ring in your pocket I'm just imagining going going out for a few drinks and you're getting into the taxi at the end of the night and he's like ah oh, yeah that'll be a tender there and you're fishing around for the change in your pocket and you're you're there like ah oh, yeah here you go and you accidentally give him the one ring of power so <laughs> that wouldn't be well. ideal <laughs> no i just brought up this question because um it's a yeah it's not a really important question or anything but as we said sauron poured his essence into the ring and it contains his soul but this doesn't mean that the ring is sentient but as we mentioned before, it almost has a mind of its own. So its soul basically wants to be reunited with its master. As we said earlier in this episode, it slips off Isildur's finger when he is in the river. It abandons, it abandons Gollum when he is in the goblin's cave, when it's in his pockets. So this could be perhaps as orcs were near in both scenarios. I'm not really sure. But the ring would have had a better chance of being found and returned to its master if it slipped off at these ideal times, you know, and an orc came along and picked it up. Bilbo had warned Frodo that the ring can slip off at inopportune moments. So I think this is just why it was worn around his neck. So it couldn't like fly away or anything. But I mean, it's just, in my opinion, a much more practical, I mean, just a much more practical way of carrying the ring around. Like, as I said, in your pocket, yeah. it's, just, it's never going to be a safe place. I mean, maybe yeah. in Bilbo's little uh, pockets on his uh, on his waistcoat, um, maybe it looked kind of safe in there if he had like a button on it. But even then, he was like, you know, like we see at the beginning of the Fellowship, where he's like, "Where is it? Where is it?" And he's like going mental looking around. I mean, if it's just if it's around your neck on a chain all the time, you're ever like, "Oh my god, where is it?" So, <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. Saves, um, saves a lot of panic. Yeah, keep it secret, keep it safe, safe mm-hmm. around your neck. Now, I do wonder if the ring you know it's not sentient but it wants to get back to its master do you not think it could have had the ability to like burn through the chain and slip away when orcs are near i don't know anyways um just just as a matter of interest can you give me the characters who are able to refuse the one ring Ooh. um well galadriel has a whole mm-hmm. big deal made about her in the especially in the movies we get to see a really cool effect on Cape Blanchett, uh, where she says, like, in place of a dark lord, you will have a queen. <laughs> uh, and that whole thing, that's class. Very freaky. Um, Beautiful so, and terrible. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Oh, will love and... me and despair. Um, <laughs> so that's that's class. I love that part in the test. movie. Um, yeah. And then she, uh, yeah, she passes the test, as she says in her own words. So that's a very important uh, part where it's offered to her. Um, obviously Gandalf when he says you cannot offer me this ring uh, so he's, <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. he says no and also Aragorn uh, yes and Faramir yes well done nice because anymore it's not it's it's not really done that way in, in the film Faramir is definitely tempted by the ring but it's very 
you know, he's still in, in the book. Yeah, in in the book, he's still oh, sorry. In the in the movie, he still obviously eventually allows Frodo to go. But in the book, yeah. yeah, he's not even he's not even tempted. He says something like, "I if it was on if it was on the highway, I wouldn't." It's just not about the yeah. highway. I, I, yeah, he does it's on the highway. Waterway, like, I wouldn't pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> what's his, what's the quote? It's on the dual carriageway there. Yeah, <laughs> even if we're, I think the quote is something like, "Even if it were on the highway, I would not touch it," or something like that. So I would go on the low way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Near Amir, uh, Faramir, wherever you yeah. are, Amir. Um, if you were on yeah. the highway to hell. Um, <laughs> sorry, you could, you could Yeah, no, very good. <laughs> the only ones really able to show real resistance to the One Ring were the hobbits, though, uh, such as Bilbo, Frodo, and Samwise, because notably, all these other characters—Gandalf, Galadriel, Aragorn, Faramir—none of them refused. Or sorry, they all refused it, but none of them actually did so while touching the ring now Gandalf did touch the ring but I think um I think it was later was it later was it the 17 years later where Frodo offers it to him and he's like no I I will not do it and at the council as well uh, like obviously refuses the ring yeah yeah no sorry yeah and uh, and obviously as well we have the Tom Bombadil wears it and we know he's completely unaffected by the powers of it so they discuss at the council of Elrond um whether to give it to Tom and I think that's kind of shut down immediately because they're like ah, he doesn't really care about the dealings of middle earth so there's no point yeah they say that he just wouldn't be able to understand the value of it and he'd probably just lose it yeah they're like he'd probably so just completely funny. forget about it. like they're like tom remember this is very important don't and he's like <laughs> okay i don't no problem and they just immediately just throw it away it's kind of like reminds me of uh baby groot in uh the second yeah. the galaxy where they're like trying to teach him you know how to don't uh, touch uh, the red button isn't like that, to, isn't to, place, to place the bomb and then also when they're trying to get him to oh that's right to, yeah yeah to find the what's what's they call it the thing on um on your man's head um it's they call it a fin oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah the fin on um uh wandu is that his name wandu yandu yandu ah close enough on yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the blue guy on Yondu's head, the the red fin. They're like trying to get him to go find it. They're like, remember, it looks like whatever, and he comes back with like a salmon or something. And they're like, that's not what we said, you know. And so it's like it's the memory of like an absolute goldfish. So um, I love Bradley uh, Cooper's acting in that as well, where he's just like, no, <laughs> every time. Like, he's no. rocket, isn't he? Yeah, rocket. Yeah. And, and they have that thing where they're like, don't. You know, don't push this button. That will kill us all. And he's like, what yeah. do you do? And he's like, yeah. I am good. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, very good. That's kind of like Tom Bombadil, I suppose. Just remember Tom. He's like, okay. Just chuck the ring away then immediately. So um, yeah, they were like, we can't really trust Tom. <laughs> exactly. Tom Bombadil is just like Groot. So the next question, or possibly the last question I have to ask you here is, why could the One Ring only be destroyed in Mount Doom? Why is that? What is the reason? Uh, oh, God. Um, oh, golly I mean, it, it's obviously that's where it was forged. And so that's kind of what they say, like, oh, only where it was made, there could it be unmade and stuff like that. But then I think the actual reasons were that the fires of uh, Mount Doom, or the fires of... Uh, What's called uh, Orodruin. Orodruin. Um, the fires of Orodruin are like hotter than any other volcanoes in Middle Earth, I believe, as well. Which is that right? Am I making that up? Um, possibly. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think I've heard that before somewhere that that was like the 
I don't know, it had the highest temperature of uh, any of the lavas or something like that. So that's where they were able to, obviously, the hotter you can uh, get get something, that's like the better the steel you're going to create or the better, uh, mm. the better ring you're going to make. So if you're forging, like, the same with the thing with, like, the elves who are forging these, like, amazing weapons, they would need to use, like, extremely hot furnaces to do that. So I think that the heat is a, is a factor as well. But uh, I don't know. Kind of. Well, this is one thing that people have pondered is whether Tolkien had actually made a geological mistake in thinking that the magma inside a volcano is hotter than any other fire, such as a forge that could melt any metal on Earth, such as gold and steel. But maybe he just didn't have Google back then. But (laughs) unfortunately, magma tops out at about 1300 uh, degrees celsius whereas steel melts at 1370 degrees celsius so according to the science that we know today dwarvish dwarvish forges are hotter than a volcano but tolkien didn't know that now but, but my question is is that what kind of tolkien considered was is there any part like in the lore that says that that was the one of the reasons why that apparently like well, according to middle earth this is where the hottest uh like I, I I don't I don't think so because the rings of power worn by the dwarves had been melted by dragon fire, but dragon fire is stated to not be able to melt the one ring. So yeah. perhaps it wasn't only heat that was required. In fact, it's it's definitely not only heat because now twice in Lord of the Rings, you already mentioned it, but twice in Lord of the Rings, um, I believe it's the Fellowship of the Ring book, Tolkien writes a particular word instead of the word destroyed. And in the films, unmade. Elrond says it too. Exactly. Mm. I was going to say, do you know what I speak? But <laughs> unmade, yes, you are correct. So the, the ring isn't just being destroyed, but it's being deconstructed and disassembled. Mount Doom, or Orodruin, as we hear it called in the books, is where the ring is created and thus the familiarity of its origin is where it, and only where it can be unmade. So not just any old volcano, uh, it is suggested that there would be another way to unmake the Ring of Power, and that would be at the hands of a better craftsmith. But unfortunately, Sauron is the best in Middle-earth, as all others are in the West, and uh, they would know better to, to, to meddle in the dealings of middle When you earth, say the West, you don't mean like just uh, on the coast, you mean <laughs> Galway. Val- in Valinor. Like. <laughs> yes, yes, just... in Valinor. So that does beg the question then, Johnny, um, why couldn't Gandalf or Elrond just bring the ring over to Valinor with them and attempt to destroy it there? Jesus, that'd be a risky move, I suppose. Um, that'd be a risky move, wouldn't it? Bringing the like the the most evil object and the most corrupting object into where all of the uh these like incredibly strong uh spirits and these basically godlike beings live. Imagine, but 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 it, it, it's just important to note that well. I, I think it's heavily implied or suggested that the ring can only be destroyed in Mount Doom, but it could be unmade with a better craftsman than Sauron, but he is the best that there is on Middle-earth. Now, there are mm. better ones that are dead and over in Valinor, so why couldn't... Why couldn't I just don't think that there? that would ever have been an option. I don't think the, I don't think the Valar would have accepted a, something like a corrupted item to enter into Valinor because... I mean, just nothing is corrupted in Valinor, I suppose. And everything's kind of pure. Well, even that's 
not really true, <laughs> but it's up for debate. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like they the, the definitely would be like, oh, that's the most evil like uh, artifact in the world. Yeah, please let that in here. Also, the Valor yeah. were just like, look, just figure it out yourselves, lads. Uh, like you know, they're they're not too concerned about what's going on. I mean, they are a little bit. They like every now and again, very rarely they'll they'll get involved and they'll step in. But normally they're just like, look, you. You got yourselves into this mess, you know. You could, you can get your own way out. Um, mm. And as I said, just can you imagine if the ring went into Valinor and then it managed to like corrupt Manway or or like Holy Ulmo Holy or something yeah. like that? And then they were just like this evil spirit, and they were like, uh, like that would be a complete disaster altogether. So I don't know what answer you're going to give me, but I think that it's just never yeah. going to be an, an option. No, no, you're completely right. And just when you were mentioning it there. It really reminded me of, did you ever watch that TV show, Marvel's What If? The cartoon uh, I, animation. I didn't see it all, but I saw I saw a few episodes for sure. So that's narrated by, the name escapes me, but the guy that's narrating every episode, he plays the Watcher. And he's basically, yeah. I, I think at the start of every episode, he says something like, I do not interfere. I cannot yeah. meddle or something. I am the Watcher. And that's sure. really cool. But that, that kind of reminds me of what the Valor are. We know that the Valor do not interfere with the lives of the children of Iluvatar, which are basically the men and the elves. But Tolkien writes, quote, But Gandalf has revealed to us that we cannot destroy it by any craft that we here possess, said Elrond. And they who dwell beyond the sea would not receive it. For good or ill, it belongs to Middle-earth. It is for us who still dwell here to deal with it. So there you go. That's kind of uh, Tolkien's poor attempt of an answer <laughs> to why that they couldn't bring it over to. No, it's not a poor attempt of an answer, but it it really is just like one line to to dampen the theories of like, why can't they just bring it over to Valinor? Because I, I do certainly believe that the ring could be destroyed or unmade in Valinor. But yeah, basically the Valar are like the watchers of the Marvel Universe or the Watcher. And they just do not interfere and they cannot interfere. And um, yeah. They're not like the Watcher in the Water, however. He does get involved. <laughs> the Watcher in the Water, yeah. He certainly gets he should, involved. He shouldn't be called the Watcher in the Water. He should be called, like, the actor. Not the actor, like... Uh, <laughs> the doer. In, he takes action. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah, doer in yeah. the water, yeah. The attacker in the water. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. That's why um, That's why the ring has to be destroyed in Mount Doom. Or the fires of Orudruin. Yeah. Also, when people are like, oh, Tolkien has created the most amazing, you know, world, whatever, and then he's called the the scary mountain, Mount Doom. Such a load of shite. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, well, that's, it's actually called like the Orodruin and the cracks of Orodruin, but, you know, yeah. whatever. That's just like a little nickname it has, Mount Doom, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know who gave it that nickname, but it is the, it, the, um, you know, it caught on. Yeah, the West the Westron name for Orodruin, I suppose. Would it be Mount Doom? Possibly. Mm. I don't know. Possibly. So, yes, the Ring of Power. Power knows power. It is the most magical and powerful ring in Middle-earth, and therefore, whenever it is near a magical or powerful place or person, it grows in strength. We only see hobbits carrying the ring in any part of the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, but when offered to Gandalf, he recoils, and Galadriel sees the temptation of taking the ring as a great challenge, and this is a test of her fate. They both know how powerful they could be with the one ring, but as the ring contains Sauron's soul, 
it would most it, it would be most powerful in his possession and if he were to ever get it back he would truly have been unstoppable humans are divided elves are all but diminished and dwarves they're too greedy to form alliances all of middle earth would have fallen into the hands of sauron the power of the ring can be mighty and terrible in the hands of a powerful person and even worse in the hands of the evil dark lord but less impactful on the humble creatures such as a hobbit and this is why gandalf was so keen for the ring to remain in the possession of the hobbits as the power of the ring would be dampened down for as long as possible so this is why the story of the lord nice. of the rings and the hobbit exists so Very there you have it nice little nice little summary there nice little roundup of all the events very nice <laughs> i like it any any last words or questions before we wrap up today's episode um not really no i think that was quite insightful I, a lot of things you've reminded me of that i knew before and had forgotten a mm-hmm. lot of things i didn't know and kind of uh so i'm learning some new things for the first you were good time today. So you're good on enough. the ball you're Thank on you. the ball now you're on the Thank ring you. even though I'm, I'm yeah i don't know i just just had my coffee before this episode so my brain was there. My, my, yeah, the synapses were firing. Yeah, well, my brain is kind of melted as well. I not just after a coffee. I'm after about eighteen pints from last night. So, break uh. <laughs> out the ale. These men are thirsty. Yeah! One ring to rule them all. But yeah, um, so that wraps up this episode. That's all. Um, I was just going to say that's all, folks. But yeah, let's go for it. That's all this time, folks, on the Council of Elrond. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening and or watching. This has been a fun ending to the four episode mini series of The Rings of Power. Do you guys have any other interesting questions concerning the One Ring or just facts that we might have missed or overstated? Uh, I've always wanted to know why it was a ring and not a sword or a crown or an iPhone. You know, why was that object a <laughs> ring? But uh, after Googling this, the answer doesn't really appear to be as interesting as I'd want. But yeah, you guys can send any thoughts or questions or queries to us on our socials, which are at melon underscore heads on Twitter and just the melon heads on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Which I really encourage you guys to go over and check us out, by the way, because we are there on YouTube now. So uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe. And we also want to announce that we will be covering all the episodes of the TV series The Rings of Power from next week. And we might have some special guests and goodies to, to bring out there as well. Uh, we'll be giving all of our thoughts on each episode as it comes out, our predictions and trying to break down what everything means in the wider context of the story. So we're really looking forward to it now at this point because it's been so long. Four, mm, four or five wish. years in the making. We just want, I just want the show now. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So uh, yes, a special thank you to Jack Knightley on Patreon as well. And if you guys would like to support us on Patreon, um, you can do so. The links are in the description below. But until next time, guys, goodbye.